Are you a man looking for an intensive program to help you overcome your sexually addictive behaviors? Gateway to Freedom is your answer. Gateway to Freedom is a three-day intensive workshop for men seeking to overcome sexually addictive behaviors. Whether married, single, or divorced, Gateway to Freedom will help men regain hope for a new life of purity and real contentment. The workshop is conducted by experts in the field of sexual addiction recovery. Your experts have over 35 years of combined experience. Read testimonials of workshop alumni at gatewaymen.com. Get all the info and register online at gatewaymen.com or call 1-800-49-PURITY. Hi, my name is Jonathan, and I'm the founder of the Gateway to Freedom Workshop. I want to personally invite you to be part of our next intensive coming up June 6th through the 8th. So call us today at 1-800-49-PURITY or visit gatewaymen.com. Welcome to Pure Sex Radio, training men, educating women. Are you ready to get real and start living each day in purity? This dynamic program is designed to educate, encourage, and equip listeners with the tools necessary for living a life of sexual purity. Pure Sex Radio brings you the best in mobile talk radio. Listen to real life struggles, learn how to overcome lust, pornography, and sex addiction, and get serious about purity. Good day, radio listeners. Welcome to this week's edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. We're glad to have you here with us. My name is Jonathan, and we've got a guest on the line this week, uh, Jeff Fisher. Jeff, how are you doing? Hey, Jonathan. I'm doing fine. It's just great to be on your podcast. Absolutely. Well, before we get started, uh, I just want to remind you listeners, as I do periodically, that we are a listener-supported broadcast. What this means is that uh, every single aspect of, of this broadcast, whether it be going out on the radio stations, the podcast that goes around the country into over 80 countries, uh, or around the world in over 80 countries, all of that is uh, funded through the generous contributions of folks like you. And so we would like to uh, invite you to partner with us. Uh, you can go to puresexradio.com and you can learn about all the ways that you can partner with this ministry if you click on the donate button. Well, Jeff, we're gonna we're gonna spend a couple weeks with you, uh, and and in yeah. this this week, I'd like for our listeners first of all just to be introduced to you. Uh, I've known you for a little while now, and have been able to see what God has done in your life as well as in your ministry. And I'd like for our our listeners to just kind of get to know you. So, if you wouldn't mind, sort of giving them a little bit of backstory about who you are, and and kind of your own personal journey regarding uh, sexual integrity. Yeah, I think first, Jonathan, just, you know, how you and I met, um, I came um, to a point in my life of sexual brokenness, uh, lost my job, uh, lost my ministry, had to move, and was just desperately looking for resources. And and I, I, I think what it was, I just started searching for podcasts, and the Pure Sex Radio podcast was one of those that not only was there a voice out there, but there was lots of content and just, you know, getting educated, um, 
trying to figure out what this brokenness looked like and how to get fixed, you know, I just reached out to you in email and I reached out to a lot of other ministries and, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit sad that some ministries don't respond back, not just quickly, but not at all. Hmm. And for you to be a voice that, that responded back to me quickly, um, it was an honor, but it was, it was just, it was like cool water in my dry land, you know, to finally have someone who understood some things that I was going through. And I found you to be, as I've been able to move into doing support groups and into my own ministry, um, a continuing good resource. So I appreciate you for that. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, that's what's kind of cool about doing a, a, doing a, a particular broadcast like this is that we kind of see a, a full circle coming around here to where uh, now you can you can be part of the very thing that was helpful to you kind of on the, on the front end of your journey. And I, I, yeah. I always think that's so, so incredibly wonderful how God will do that. How he'll take you from your broken places and then, and then bring you then to a place where the very same things that were most beneficial and impactful for you, you can now start providing that for others. And I just, to me, that's the greatest part of recovery is not just how we personally experience healing and growth, but how we can then pass that on to others. So I'm, I'm excited to have you on the show today. Yeah, I think one of the support groups that I was in, we we took some time to make personal mission statements, and it took me a while to figure mine out, but I think mine ended up being like a recovery mission statement, mm-hmm. and mine ended up being I wanted to take the the energy and the creativity and the passion that I had thrown into porn and my sexual sin and now to pour that into myself and God and others. And that was a kind of a transforming moment uh, for me. But yeah, I'm glad to share a little bit of my story. I'm here in the Raleigh, North Carolina area. Been here for about seven years. Um, been married for 17 years. I have a eight-year-old boy and a 14-year-old boy. Um, <clears throat> I've been in my recovery process for about um, six and a half of those years. Uh, we came to the Raleigh area because of my sexual brokenness. Um, before this, I was up in Buffalo, New York, as a minister serving as a church planter and um, serving a growing church, and but had a secret life that had been building uh, not just for a little bit, but had been building up for decades. I hadn't always lived in, you know, with, with two, two lives, but, um, I just, you know, as my uh, Christianity grew, I just didn't really know what to do with my sexual struggles. It starts out when you're young as Mm -hmm. kind of experimentation, you know, figuring out masturbation and, and, uh, then you, you like to look at, at, uh, magazines and, newspaper ads and scrambled HBO and Cinemax TV shows and but really not having an outlet to talk about that and being confused about it how can I do this but also be a Christian and um, you know my secret life grew and the confusion grew and I would say the duplicity of, of my life grew until finally God decided it was time uh, to to pull the plug on me, and so. Well, let me ask you this: when when were you first exposed to material that uh, 
kind of invited you or enticed you to take your sexuality beyond where God intends it to go? I mean, how old were you when you were introduced to porn? I mean, kind of what what started this whole path? I think that has been an important part of my journey to go backwards um, with the help of my counselor and the help of support groups. It's kind of going back. What's what is my sexual history? Um, I didn't have abuse in my history, um, but I I remember around 10 years old uh, seeing my first pornography magazine and, you know, a group of buddies, we were, uh, we'd take our bikes into the woods, into a tree house, <laughs> deep in the woods. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the people had been collecting the best stashes there. And so, um, that's probably where I saw my first porn magazine. Um, I took one of those back uh, to my home to borrow <laughs> and to use and just, to, it was, I didn't know how to use it. I just looked at it, you know, sure, look, yeah. using was, was looking at it for me. But I remember hiding that under my bed, and and um, I remember a terrified moment when my mom discovered that. You know, she was changing the sheets on my bed, and and uh, I don't know, moving the mattress around. You know, I, you think you hide these things real well when you're a kid, but you sure don't. And she found the porn magazine, and I was just incredibly embarrassed. And but her her attitude and was one of. You know, I know that boys look at these things, and if you want to have a conversation about that, it's okay to look at these things and ask me any questions you want. And it was kind of left at that, but I'm, I was so embarrassed and shameful about it that, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to talk about it at all. Mm-hmm. My dad didn't talk about sexual things at all with me, so it's just a few scattered conversations with my mom. Um, but that—that that was my first exposure to pornography. And uh, it was very shocking to me. And I'll tell you this: we've 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 dealt with literally uh, you know thousands of guys that have very similar stories in terms of being exposed early on yeah. uh, to either pornography or some other sort of sexual uh, material that they they simply don't know how to handle. And and to a man, the response that every single kid has when they're exposed to porn is at the very least confusion. And yeah. so, you know, a lot of times there's the fear response. A lot of times there's the the arousal response that they don't know how to interpret. Uh, there's there's all those other things. But I think, to me, the thread that really really kind of weaves through what can ultimately lead to an addiction is the fact that you're introduced to material that you simply don't know how to interpret, and it creates mm-hmm. it creates a confusion around what becomes one of the most central parts of your being, sexuality. And and I think that's a very, very, you know, first of all, being a kid is a confusing time anyway, because everything is about your, your, your learning, you're kind of stretching your yeah. boundaries, you're trying to figure out how, what does it mean to be human, <laughs> you know, all those kind of things. Um, and then as you, you talk about guys getting exposed at 10, 11, 12 years old, right on the cusp then of, of puberty and adolescence, you add to this initial confusion around this material of pornography, the explosive hormones that come within a couple of years after that, and you really have a concoction there that is, that is hard to decipher for a, a young adolescent. And, and I would say also a missed opportunity for education on a parent's part. Sure. I mean, I'm not going to shove it all on my, my parents, but, you know, I, re- I remember waking up one morning and just 
it was strange that I had um, an erection in my pants. You know, I didn't know that was a normal thing. And I remember asking my mom about that, you know, what, uh, like pointing it out to her, like, what is this mom? And, and, you know, her explanation, and I don't know if she was embarrassed or not, but she says, well, Jeff, that means you have to go to the bathroom in the morning. And hmm. I'm like, it's hard to go to the bathroom when I have an erection. I don't understand this, you know, and it was, but, but you accept what, what you're taught. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, you know, for us who are trying to work on it with our kids, uh, who are trying to work on it with, with even other men, giving a proper education is, is a, is a part of the, the solution. Mm-hmm. Now we know that, uh, you know, the vast majority of kids uh, at some point in their lives are going to be exposed to porn in some form or fashion. And especially the more that the culture becomes pornified. Yeah. So as, as you were an adolescent, at, at what point was it during your adolescence or was it later that you started feeling like you know, and again, some of this will be what you can determine in hindsight, not necessarily what you were experiencing in the moment or, or what yeah. you were conscious of in the moment. But at what point would you feel like porn started to have more of a grip on you than you having a grip on it? Yeah, I'm not sure that I really looked at much porn as a young kid, uh, but I did notice in my heart an attraction to girls um, early on. I wanted to have a girlfriend as early as kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked girls. I chased after girls, uh, would even try to muster the courage up to call one on the phone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, we got, when I was in sixth grade, um, we got cable TV and of course, you know, you get the, the HBO and the Cinemax channels. Uh, I'm watching rated R movies as a young kid. My parents are not having so much of a problem with that. Leaving me alone on Friday or Saturday nights to stay up and watch TV and uh, and I, I stayed up past midnight to watch the really good stuff. So, um, you know, I'm just taking advantage of that. I'm thinking about also um, the MTV was coming up at that point. And so lots and lots of sexualized music videos. Um, these things are all getting my engines roaring early and in the wrong direction. Um, I think physically with girls, then I start trying to push boundaries. Um, I, I didn't really get hooked on pornography. I was more hooked on movies mm-hmm. early on and, you know, uh, sensual movies, rated R movies. But uh, I, probably 1996, 97, when we got the Internet in our house was um, when, it, you know, it starts with images and it starts with just clicking and experimenting and trying. You know, it's a different type of experimenting when mm-hmm. you're, you're clicking on to look at porn or images and, um, you know, that's when it started to have a deeper hook in my life, for sure. Mm-hmm. And so at what point, uh, I mean, when you got out of high school or college or whatever, so so take us up to the point where maybe you started getting into some romantic relationships, you started considering marriage. I mean, what what started going on in your mind as you were getting older and having to to reconcile, okay, maybe what you're doing through, um, you know, this sort of secret sexual fantasy yeah. world and pornography, and how that, how are you going to manage that when you start getting into real relationships? Sure. Um, 
I think I was about 13 when I heard about masturbation from my friends and we joked about it and I heard it talked about in some movies as well and experimenting with what would it be like to try and have sex um, just those thoughts of trying to figure it out and, and, and then discovering the mechanics of it and the masturbation and that it feels good. And that when I uh, start looking at magazines and underwear ads that I can have an arousal and then figure out how to use that, you know, and, and then it's, it's not long before I start having girlfriend relationships and, uh, you know, I, I became a Christian when I was 11. And so my, my Christianity and my, uh, masturbation started growing up, uh, parallel to each other. And, um, you know, I, I, I think one thing that was helpful to me, Jonathan was, was having a good, uh, church and, um, youth background where at least what we were talking about was, was, uh, abstinence and no sex, you know, true love waits, mm -hmm. uh, came out around the time I was a teenager. And so it's funny how, how we have these, these, uh, boundaries, these super boundaries. I, I'm not going to uh, physically have sex with somebody, it's, but I, I'm going to turn to masturbation and objectifying and lusting after my girlfriend's or any girl that I want to, it was more interesting for me just to have an array of girls in my mind um, than it was to have a real relationship. But I was very clingy in my relationships. Um, we would um, uh, we would push the the physical boundaries as far as the the kissing, um, but it wasn't you know a whole lot of of the the touching. But I would for sure go home after that and think about my experiences and masturbate. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, like I said, it's it's those it's the boundaries within the ungodly life that's curious. <laughs> well, and I think that um, I think I think what you're talking about too gets again back to that confusion issue. You're you're having you're having natural emotions and even sensations of arousal to be in the in the presence of a real girl that you have feelings for yeah. and trying to dis, trying to sort of make sense of you know okay i've got these you know there are these big lines that i've got in place based on my christian faith which is like hey listen you know no no sex outside of marriage no intercourse outside of marriage but then there's all these other things sort of, if you can say, beneath that, that that is part of that confusion that porn only kind of exacerbates because you're going, OK, here, I'm 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 kissing on this girl. I'm having all these feelings. But then yeah. uh, I don't know what to do with that. So what do I do? I go back home and I masturbate or I look at some porn or I, you know, and it's just it just becomes a mess. It really becomes a mess. And like you said, yeah. we, we don't necessarily as. A lot of times as parents, um, parents don't necessarily think of this as a front of mind thing. And so they're not being uh, they're not initiating or being intentional about teaching their children along the way about healthy boundaries and healthy sexuality and healthy relationships. And and part of that is because we have parents that don't even know what that 
means, you know, because they went through the very same things. They, you know, maybe even your parents are looking at porn or reading romance novels or whatever. And so they've got their own confusion regarding sexuality. And so you can see it just generation after generation, more and more confusion surrounding this issue of sexuality and, and integrity. Sure. So I think what I was most embarrassed about going in to uh, the deeper parts of my Christian life, into Christian leadership, into seminary, into marriage, was that I uh, was a masturbator. And I, rarely would I talk to somebody about that. Only when I was feeling the deepest you know, pools of repentance, <laughs> when we were at a revival or when I, I met somebody, uh, like another guy that I felt like I was I felt, man, I think we're close enough here that that I can be accountable to this guy and we, we share my deepest secret. Mm-hmm. You know, and every sermon where they talk about, you know, that 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 deep sin that you can't shake or sin X or whatever whatever that you know sin is, uh, I, it was always uh, masturbation for me that I felt incredible shame about. Um, and you know, I didn't feel like I needed to. I didn't feel like I was addicted. Um, I didn't addiction to me. That just wasn't in my vocabulary. I guess I, I thought that was the the people who were having sex and couldn't stop or doing whatever perverted actions that were way above me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wasn't sleeping around. I was a, a physical virgin when I got married. Um, how can I be a sex addict? Um, I didn't even meet that term until much later in life, but. Um, you so, know, I brought sectional, sexual, sexual dysfunction into my marriage and a very um, thinking that, that my marriage was going to cure uh, my desires and that my wife was going to be the, um, the beauty to rescue me and, and I could cling to her and have sex uh, whenever I wanted and be fine and not struggle with this uh, sin anymore. But but that never that never quite pans out, does it? <laughs> yeah, and let's talk about that after you got married. So I think a lot of guys who have a who have a struggle like this prior to marriage that they've kept yeah. a secret and they're really and when I say struggle, I mean they're really wrestling with it. It's not like they've just resolved this is how it is and they become numbed out. They're still they're really struggling with it. And yeah. and I think a lot of guys they have that same idea. If I get married, especially a lot of Christian guys. They have this notion of, okay, everybody's told me that, you know, sex is reserved for marriage. So therefore, it's this beautiful thing in marriage. And so a lot of times a guy then interprets that of, well, once I get married, then all this other ugly stuff in my life will fall away naturally. Yeah. And so what happened after you got married and you started making discoveries that that wasn't necessarily true? Well, you know, there's this initial period, not not just the honeymoon itself, but whatever the honeymoon period is where it's, it's still in la la land and Mm -hmm. there is a lot of sex and there is uh, this belief that, wow, this is, this is as fulfilling and as exciting and I'm living with somebody and her clothes are all over the place and she's dressing up for me. And, um, I can't believe I'm waking up to this person. So there's a lot of, a lot of good stuff that is firing. And, you know, that's good stuff that God has brought. Um, I think what's hard is that the pulls come back after a while. 
um, you know, when my wife is gone, I get horny again. And I didn't know what feelings to call that. I just called it horniness. Mm -hmm. I find that I'm still looking at other girls, really. Um, These ads that I like to look at uh, every Sunday morning in the paper, I'm I'm grabbing those sections and still looking at the underwear ads. I'm slowing down when I'm in Target and Walmart in the lingerie section, just walking slow. <laughs> you know, I I start going back to these old Jeff patterns. Mm-hmm. I, I expected some big transformation. Yeah. And um, you know, at some point the 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 busyness catches on and life catches on and the intimacy slows down and um but the hunger remains. So at and, what point, um, so what point then did you, did you start to realize this is more than just kind of a little nagging issue? This is something I'm going to have to actually deal with, possibly even have to, oh my goodness, bring it out into the open. I mean, when did that start to, you start yeah, having well, those well, ideas? When we got the, uh, an internet, uh, the internet and my wife and I would, would have chats about, you know, okay, we're not going to go to any porn sites. And I'm like, of course not. And I really meant it, Jonathan. Sure. Of course, of course I'm not going to go to porn sites and, you know, I'm not going to go. Um, and then just on a w- weaker moment, uh, I kind of lose myself and oh, I wonder, I wonder if I, if I could search it for this, I wonder what I would find. Is it really that easy? You know, these little, mm-hmm. little messages and, and then, looking at porn and, and, uh, not admitting it to my wife, but eventually my wife said, how are you doing on the computer? You know, it was those type of questions that I'm like, uh, mm, not so good. Did you look at porn? Yeah. You know, and there was a, a, <clears throat> a real early time in our marriage where, uh, my wife took it seriously and said, you know, that's bad, Jeff. You're a, I was a pastor by then. Uh, you're a pastor you need to go and get some help and go to a counselor. And I did go to a counselor for a little bit. Um, He was more of a behavioral guy. So it was more about stopping the behavior. Mm -hmm. We didn't look so much at the the feelings and the emotions. There was certainly nothing mentioned about triggers or bottom lines or addiction. It was just, and maybe I presented it as, you know, I've got this little problem that I, I don't want to look at porn and, um, but I'm just not, I just don't think that he questioned me too much. And so, you know, you, you go to a, you, you get fearful, uh, you go to a counselor, you take a, another step that you haven't taken before. And then, um, and then, Hey, I, feel, I I'm good. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, uh, um, I got caught by my wife. And so that ended up probably lasting me a couple of months. <laughs> you know? Sure, yeah. And fear, you know, fear is a great short-term motivator. It just doesn't work in the long term. That's right. Uh, and so so we've got a, just a couple minutes left here. And yeah, I, yeah. I want you to be able to share where you really started to get serious about dealing with this issue. And then I want you to give maybe a little bit of help for those listeners out there who are saying, I'm in this spot where I'm, I'm still, I still got a big secret, and I, but I don't want it anymore. Yeah, God had to break me out of isolation. It wasn't just my wife um, asking me that that wasn't the message that I need. Um, it's not that I didn't believe my wife, but but I had no idea of how far that I was drifting 
and, and how much these behaviors are controlling me. Uh, we eventually went up to Buffalo, New York. I started pastoring. I worked in an office, a denominational office up there. Uh, we had an unprotected computer. I had a lot of time on my own. And it was just a matter of time um, that I started looking for porn and searching and searching. Um, I confessed at one time to my director up there, almost lost my job over it. Um, and um, it was kind of like an ultimatum. If you ever do it again, then you're going to lose your job. Mm-hmm. Um, I did end up doing it again and then was able to um, uh, wipe things and leave the job and um, uh, move on to full-time church planting. Uh, what had happened, and here's how God pulled the plug, is is they started having some troubles with the computer. They brought their computer guy in and found all of this, the history, the long history. Uh, my senior minister and my church planting pastor sponsor staged an intervention for me. Mm-hmm. And it really took having to um, be confronted by people I loved um, and um, and said, you know, Jeff, you're not worthy of ministry right now. Um, you're you're sick. You need help. And that's the first time, Jonathan, they used the word addiction. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is an addiction, Jeff, when something else is controlling you and you can't wait to leave a job to uh, escape if you're just trying to keep escaping it, it doesn't work. I hate to do um, this, Jeff, but we are actually out of time. So uh, yeah. listeners, hang on. We're we're going to have Jeff back next week on the program. Uh, we're going to also have his uh, contact information on our website uh, at puresexradio.com, and we'll see you back here again next week on the broadcast. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com. Mm-hmm.